0: Savior, Savior, Precious Redeemer and Friend
1: this morning. Heavenly Father, you are the one. You're the one that we praise. You're the one that we hunger for. But Lord, we also know you're the one that fills us. You're our Heavenly Father. We want to thank you that your, your love and your goodness to the, to the children of men, Lord, to us who are wretched But, oh, God, your great love, we want to thank you this morning that we can be found in the house of God. We thank you that there's something burning within us, that there's a birth, there's a resurrection that has started. And we're asking, Father, that you will move and quicken us today. We invite your presence. We thank you already for the songs and for the gathering. And now, Lord, as we look at your word, we ask that you'll just take us into your hands. Bless everyone that's here, those that are listening in, those that are in different places, that are traveling. Lord, be their portion. Be our portion. We ask you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We'll just turn to the Bible, the book of Deuteronomy. We're going to read in two places. We'll start in chapter 32, and then we'll go back to verse 7. Deuteronomy. This will be a continuation of the Lord's portion is his people. We'll speak from just a couple of verses. We won't read the whole thing that we've been reading, but verse 8. When the Most High divided to the nations their inheritance, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance he found him in a desert land in the waste howling wilderness he led him about he instructed him he kept him as the apple of his eye the context here is Moses is speaking his last words to the children of Israel before they go into their land so he is making known the heart of god to the children of Israel as they go in and possess the land. Let's go back to Deuteronomy chapter 7. Deuteronomy chapter 7, we'll read. I could read the beginning of it, but I'm just going to drop down to verse 6. For thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all the people that are upon the face of the earth. You all can think, wow, that's great. Well, it's not because you're special. It's because God chose you. It's because he determined something. Listen to what he says in verse 7. The Lord did not set his love upon you nor choose you because you were more in number than any people, for you were the fewest of all people. But because the Lord loved you, and because he would keep the oath which he swore unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. God bless his word. You may have your seats. I will also invite you to turn over to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, I love the scriptures here, Romans chapter 7, Paul is speaking much about this man, his natural man, the struggles that he has within himself, but then he jumps over to Romans 8 about the law of the spirit, not the law of the flesh, but the law of the spirit. I won't read all the beginning, but starting in verse 14, he will say, for as many as are led of the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So if God is leading you, it's with a destination, your sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father." The spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So the spirit of bondage would, would entrap you or would stop you. But the spirit of adoption, the quickening, if you want to call it the quickening power, is to bring you back to something. It's to resurrect you to something. It's to bring you into an inheritance. Let's just drop in verse 18. Paul is speaking now, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. We are in a fallen condition, but there's something in us that's groaning. Paul makes it known here, and he says, For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who subjected the same in hope. The creature itself shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Just just hang on to those phrases for a moment. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. Amen. God bless his word. So Paul will speak here and he talks in verse 7 about the glorious liberty of of the children of God, today's as a subtitle, I want to speak on the liberty with liberty within the fullness. Now, in a in a way of introduction, and, and and if I just take this groaning, I want you just to think about something, and I I want to present something, but I want to move it to something else. When Jesus came, and this was the life of God Himself, when that life came on the earth and it was manifest in man, and now he comes to Calvary, and he's dying the death, he lays his life down, all of nature shook. Nature had a convulsion, Brother Branham would say. It had an earthquake, and and nature had a had had a great uh prostrate, prostrate like he would he would call it a great a, a great groaning within now if you if you take that part of christ but there's people here who are carriers of that same life the earth itself is also groaning in this last day and you can say well how how great is that Brother Ed, well it's so great that, I don't know if it was Brother Flint that just said this the other day, but here is Paul, or I heard it in a, in a service here, but here's Paul and Silas. They're in bonds, they're, they're in, 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 in captivity, it's a terrible situation, but they just began thanking God. They thanked God for what they were, they were singing songs, and the earth again shook. What is it? There's a life of God that's continuing. The same life that was in Jesus continues in his people. Now, in a way of introduction, I'll just read from Acts, Acts chapter 15. This is a scripture I took a couple of weeks ago, but I'll just just take it as well. In Acts chapter 15, verse 18, Paul says, Known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. Now, I thank God for the time we live in. As terrible as it is in the world around us, I thank God for the time we live in and the things that God is making known to us. And they're not there for intellect, but they're there to combat what the enemy is doing. So Paul would say, "Now known unto God all His works." And, and if I can use a, a couple of quotations just to start in this thought, Paul, uh, Brother Branham would say, uh, "And and 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 I so appreciate the message for the things that that are there." In the message, the Hebrews series, chapter seven, Brother Branham would say, "Where was Jesus slain at? Was it at Calvary?" He says, "No, sir." Jesus was slain before the foundation of the world. Behold the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the world. God in the beginning, he saw sin, he saw what happened, he spoke every word. And when he saw that Jesus was slain before the foundation of the world. And every person that was saved, according to the Bible, when the Lamb was slain in the mind of God before the foundation of the world, you were included in salvation then. Now this is going not from where we live at. This is not going where you're going to hear this on, on, on a Bible, radio, a teacher or something. You're not going to hear this from the world around us. You're going to only hear this as God makes it real to you. As he makes it real. So brother man goes on to say uncertain sound. Before there ever was a world... 4,000 years before Christ was ever born, the Bible said he was the Lamb of God, slain since the foundation of the world, and when God's great program was drawn out, he knew, he knew what was going to happen. In his great mind, he knew he'd have to slay his own son to save the world, and it was settled as soon as God spoke it, Amen. So before this, ever the plan unfolded, God already knew it. Now, I'm gonna put this not to Christ, but I'm gonna take it now from the part of Christ that we represent. In the church age book, Brother Ram said, you have not chosen me, John 15, 16, I have chosen you. You're a special people, why? Because, you know, you know, we 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 come into the world and we look at ourselves in the mirror and we begin to like ourselves and, and we think we're special. No, it's because God chose us, not because of, of, of what we are, it's what God chose. Now, Brother Bam says, according to the word of God, the bride was chosen before the foundation of the world. The choosing of the bride in himself, in himself. Romans 9:11. The purpose of God according to election might stand. His commentary. You can't read it any other way. The heart purpose, the eternal purpose of God was to take a bride of his own choosing. That purpose was in in himself and being eternal was decreed before the foundation of the world. What are you going to do? You can't do anything about it. That's what God determined. And he makes these statements, and I've always loved this, but he says, watch carefully and see see this. Before there ever was a speck of stardust, before God was God, and Brother Branham gives the explanation on this, God is an object of adoration, and there was no one there to worship him. So at that time, he only was potentially God. God means an object of worship. So he said, before that ever was, when he only, he was known only as the eternal spirit, the bride was already in his mind. Now, this, this is stumbling sometimes, but if I can just give the explanation according to the Bible, go back and read in Genesis chapter 1, you'll see in Genesis chapter 1, it, it speaks of, of God. But when it it goes into Genesis 2, it speaks of the Lord God. So it's now a further manifestation of God, which is the Lord God. It's God moving towards people. It's Jehovah. Jehovah means the one who exists with family. Jehovah is the one who exists for family. You who, who have... You know, been single, gotten married, and had children. You know what this is like. Once, once you get married, it's, it's wonderful, and, and, and you enjoy it, and you appreciate it. Being, being married can help you with many things. If you're late all the time, it can help you with that. Being married, if, if you're just not that, or, it can help you with that. It's just, just saying that in case anybody here is in that place. But I'm just saying, it can help you with those things. And uh, now, now, I, 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 faith comes by hearing. Okay. <laughs> any rate, now I've lost my train of thought. I was thinking something else, but I was dropping something in there. Anyway, Jehovah, so, so you that have had children, you, you know, you're, you're married and you think, wow, life is bliss, and somebody once told me, uh, as a client of mine, he says, you know, you know we when we were married we 'd go out for supper and you know and we 'd look back at a, you know we 'd try out this restaurant we'd try out that restaurant we'd try out that and 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 he says and and now we have children and our, our, our charge card it goes from this restaurant, that runs the restaurant, it goes over to Walmart and diapers and baby carriers and different things like that. That's the natural part. But there's a joy part of it that nobody ever told me about, and the joy of, of having that life and seeing that life, and it's a part of you, there's a joy that comes with it. I used to wake up in those early. Mornings, my my wife was just slept a little better than I did, and and I heard a little, and I walk over, and there she was, oh, you know, and I thought this is wonderful. That lasted a couple months, and then I said, she's awake, get her. (laughs) She's here this morning. We we welcome the Gilmeisters here this morning. It's nice nice to have uh, Anna and Chris here. But there was something that came with that. Now, now, if that's us as natural parents, what about the heavenly parent? What does God, God see when he sees that part of himself beginning to manifest, beginning to see it? Now, I haven't even finished this quote. So he says, The bride, when he was known as the eternal spirit, the bride was already in his mind. Yes, she was. She was existing in his thoughts. What about the thoughts of God? They are eternal are they not? Now I'm going to take it a little further just if I can as I, as I take this. Now, Brother Branham would, would say, now he, he will actually say Jesus was slain before the foundation of the world, but he actually goes further than that. He, he was slain for those names that were written in the book. So it wasn't that he was slain, but God knew there'd be a people, so God would look down through time. He saw what the enemy would do. He began to express a plan of redemption, and it would take his attribute to want to be a savior, to want to be a comforter, to want to be a healer. He wanted to express himself to his people. His love to us. We thank God for that. And Brother Manum would say it this way in the Lamb's Book of Life. He says, notice Way back before the foundation of the world when Satan perverted to evil, God being infinite looked through the stream of time, saw the end for knowledge, and he says if he didn't know all things, you have a limited God. But he said God's unlimited. His power, his knowledge, he's omnipotent. He saw before the foundation of the world when Satan done evil, because Satan had in his mind what he was going to do, God saw how he was going to counteract it. Amen. Now, I want to just Bring this thoughts because I'm, I'm, I'm trying to take the part. We often look at things in a natural way and we're, we can be prone to do that but there's a spiritual application to everything that's going on. You know, we can even take the message and we can apply it naturally. And, and we can say, well, when, when this happens and this nation does this, then this will be fulfilled and that will be fulfilled. And, and we can see all of the things around us. And, and we begin to see, well, there, there is Russia and there is there's the United States and there's prophecy there and, and Rome is rising up here and there's this. And we take ourselves and, and we're, we're putting ourselves as just being observers when we really are the heart of the whole thing when we really are the ones that God has his eyes on. We are not just observers. We are the wheel in the middle of the wheel. We are the part of God that all of these other things are happening for. And, and we have to be careful that we see it that way. So now he's, you can't just do that by your five senses alone. It takes a six sense. So I want to I speak on that a little bit here. Now if you even take the seven church ages... And they're the record of God working in every age. They're the conditions, they're the church, they're the messenger, and, and they are a record of what God did. But it was under the anointing, under, you know, you know as our brother Flint spoke on, on Wednesday, you know, the mystery of God, the secret of the mystery, there's a conclusion, there's a finish of it. It's not that it, our heads would know something. No, it's so that we see ourselves, our part in this whole thing, and we know who we are. How many enjoyed that? That was really good. I, I, I enjoyed it. So you take, again, all of the you could take the, the diagram, Brother Bannon, and put it of the pyramid. And, and you talk about the various ages. There's Ephesians with Paul. There's, you know, and, and if you take all of these things in that pyramid, and then you begin to overlay it with the anointing that these messengers were under. This was the thrust <laughs> of what was pushing them and moving them. So it was Paul under a lion anointing, and under that lion anointing there was a boldness, there was a pushing forward, there was something going out. It didn't last very long, but it went out. And it wasn't very long after there began to be a persecution. And under the persecution, now it switched from a lion and it went unto an ox, unto a beast of burden. It, it, it fell that way in the Smyrna church age with Irenaeus, under the Pergamos age with Martin. And, and it reached its culmination under Thyatira with Columba. And there was a great darkness. It was, it, but they were anointed with that. Then it started to break forward, even if you look at it historically. In Thyatira, under that age, there was a man named Hus that just began to stand up. It was like a little sprig. It wasn't the fullness of the man anointing yet, but it was the beginning. God showing his hand. And it came into a fullness under Luther, and, and under that, that man anointing there was Luther, there was Wesley, there was even Pentecost under which Brother Branham ministered. Came under that nun, man anointing. Now, it didn't stop. Now, here's where the word of God is so sharp and Clear. So it was Luther that that came with that anointing that broke that spirit. Wesley, these were the reformers. These were the ones who began to do a work. It wasn't the fullness yet, but it was a rejoicing. But when the fullness would come, when the fullness of times comes, oh, there's a liberty offered to the children of God. When the fullness happens... (coughs) <coughs> It'll take me a bit to, to, to minister on that. But under all of these, and even Brother Branham, under, I would say, first and second pull, ministered under a man anointing. And, and if you, you can take it. There's, there's a quotation, and I don't, didn't pull it up this morning. Brother Branham would talk about Pente, Pentecost. He would say, it's our last work of reformation. Yeah. Pentecost was not under the anointing that's going to possess the land. Pentecost, now, i, I got to be careful how we say this. And I, I, I don't want to be dismissive, but I want to just say we're not governed by that. Under the fullness, we have all that Luther had. Under the fullness, we have all that Wesley did. Under the fullness, we have all that Pentecost did. But we don't have it with the error or with the approach that they took it under. We have it under the reality. Because under this last message, it is not going to be just revelation in your head. But it will be all the reality of Pentecost. Not Azusa Street, but Pentecost as it was in the beginning. So we don't dismiss it. But we, we say, it's not just that. Hey, while I'm here, I'm, okay, I mean, I, okay, I gotta move under this. You, we have to be careful that we see ourselves as part of the whole, not in part. And 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 this is where Satan will do it so often, even within the framework of the message. Our view, our particular angle, our thing, and then you find yourself you can't step outside of the box of the the, uh, let's just call it, the church, or the the movement that you're under. And there's different movements within the framework of the message. They'll box it up. The Holy Spirit leaves that. But when you are under the fullness, so you might be in a certain movement. Well, we don't fellowship with those people because they're this and this. We don't fellowship with those people. They're this and this. And you guard yourself. But under the fullness, under Christ, you don't worry about what's there, what's there. You have an ability to cross lines. There's a liberty. You're not worried. You're not bound up. You're in Christ. Yeah, there's false things out there. But in Christ, you have everything that you have need of. (laughs) It's the same with ministries. Some people will like you know, different types of ministries. But every one of the ministries works together to give the church what it needs. It's not only the evangelist that comes in and burns things up. And, and, and you know what? We need that. And that's why we bring evangelists in. And, and we bring in teachers. So it's not just in, in, in sometimes the things we look at superficially. You know, as, as whatever way we're natured. Some people are natured, oh, I love teaching. That's what what we need is teaching. Well, if you teach and teach and teach, sin creeps in. And an evangelist comes along and burns it out. And and, and it's not just bringing ministries in. There's got to be an oversight. There's got to be something that, that governs and say okay the church needs this, the church needs this therefore we go this way. They need a little grace so we'll preach a little grace. We'll preach predestination. Sometimes you get lax on that oh it's going to happen, it's going to happen. No, you've got to be sincere. And We have somebody like Brother Max speaks, speaks and, and says you've got to be more sincere to bind up that thing. So all of these things work together. We need to see ourselves as part of the whole, not just the part. And, and I, I won't fully get into this. This wasn't really in my notes, but I, I just wanted to bring that in. In the fullness, there is liberty. Yeah, I can rejoice as much under a good teaching as I can under, under deliverance or under a, under a revival or a song or whatever it may be. That's the liberty that we have. Thank God for it. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians 1, verse 3. Blessed, (coughs) maybe I just stop for a moment. In verse 1, Paul by an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Now, to, to really understand some of this, you need to be in Christ Jesus. You can understand it but when you're in Him, it means more. So now He says this in verse 3 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. So again, it's in Christ. According as He hath chosen us. How has He chosen us? In Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. So he didn't choose Rahab just as a harlot. But he saw Rahab knowing there'd be a period of time and that might be the great contrast, her beginning and whatever it was, but that wasn't her final place. Her final place was that she was going to be in the lineage, in the lineage that was going to bring forth Christ. She was going to marry a general in the army named Boaz, but her place, her her. No matter where she was, what God saw in his mind about Rahab, no matter what it was, he was going to take her from that point to this point. And when God said, I saw you, holy and without blame, in love, that's the point he's going to bring us to. We weren't birthed to be a part. We were birthed to be a whole. We were birthed for fullness. We were birthed, and, and God will see that we get there. So he says now, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Sometimes we're not there yet, but he's still working on me. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Now, the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself... That's being elevated to a level where we can speak as Jesus speak. That's that's where we we, we need to come to. That's a burden. So no matter, the age of Laodicea is an age of comfort, settle down. When Ephesus fell, Ephesus relaxed. Ephesus means aimed at, but they never got there. In other words, they, they got lax, they lost their first love. This age, this as we come to another Ephesians in the journey, it will pick up what the first age lost. And so there's an anointing not to get relaxed in the middle of an age that is relaxed. And thank God that it's there. It's groaning within us. I can't be comfortable just to attend church, just to be in a pew, but I need to come to my place. I need to come to my inheritance. (coughs) Verse 6, To the praise of the glory of the grace wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved. You will never take your place as long as his condemnation. But when you recognize he saved me, he redeemed me, he put me on this journey, We're accepted in Him. In whom we have redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. Think about all the benefits you have of being in Him. You have forgiveness. You make a mistake. Just the same as people in the world make a mistake. But when you make a mistake, you are covered in the blood. You repent and there's forgiveness for you. Sometimes you make a mistake and it's ignorant. Sometimes you almost make it willfully. I feel sometimes, you know, there's things that you just do. I didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't plan for that. But God knows, and, and there's provision for it. Verse 8, wherein he hath abounded towards us in all wisdom and prudence. Verse 7, I just, I just thought of the scripture. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship, And the blood of Jesus forgives us of all, all, A-L-L, all our sins. Why? Where does that come from? To somebody who's walking in the world? No, to them that are in him, that are walking in the light. That's a benefit that we have. Verse eight. Sorry, I had to jump back. Wherein He has abounded towards us in all wisdom and prudence. It was Ruth walking into the field, and, and and He sees her, and He throws handfuls on purpose. Abounded. We didn't deserve it, but He abounds it to us. Verse nine. Having made known to us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure, which He hath purposed in Himself. And this is the verse I wanted to get to, verse 10, that in the dispensation, now dispensation means a period of time. So there was a period of time for the reformers, there was a period of time for, for the, under those under the ox anointing, but now in the dispensation of the fullness of times. Now this is the gathering together of all things. It's, it's the gathering together of Israel. It's the gathering together of the bride. It's, it's, it's the, all the systems of the world. All the tares are being bound together. It's, it's all of these things. It's the dispensation of the fullness of times. And it says that he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are in earth, even in him. This is the time. This is the fullness of times. There will not be another age beyond this age. The only age beyond this is to Israel. The only age beyond this is the millennium which you make a decision on now, not down the road. Now he says, now in whom we also, also we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who works all things to the counsel of his own will. Now Where are we at? Okay. (coughs) We are creatures of time. We, We often see ourselves, we're in this time, it's wicked, it's evil, and we see ourselves if we look at things naturally. But when you come under this word and under the ministry and and you come under an anointing, you come under something where you're not just looking at yourself as a creature of time. And as as Brother Branham would say, uh, when, when that book opened to him and he says, I am not the son of Charles and Ella Branham. He didn't look at things the same way anymore. He recognized there was something greater in my life before Charles and Ella ever came. God had worked far beyond that. And when he came, it was to bring him to a recognition of a place. So we recognize we are not just another church. We are not just comparatively to denominations. Sometimes people ask me, what church do you go to? You know, and and I've often answered that it's a non-denominational church. Oh, one of those. Well, it's actually not a non-denominational church. It's the original church. I feel like i got to change my answer to this sometimes. It's the original church. It's when Christians were Christians. It's when God poured His Spirit out into an upper room. It's when God was moving in a certain way. I'm a part of that. I'm a part of that revival. And I'm moving with that. So we we look at ourselves as creatures of time. Now, Brother Branham, I, I thought of that that title, Creatures of Time, and I found a couple of places where Brother Adam talks about it. So he, he speaks of Serpent Seed, and he says, now, I want to... So Job 27, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? When the morning stars sang together, and the sons of God shouted for joy. You would say, Jesus told him, I had joy with you before the foundation of the world. You're not creatures of time, you're creatures of eternity. Sometimes we view ourselves, I'm in time trying to climb the ladder into eternity. When you really need to see, I always was eternal, I am just now an eternal creature having a time experience. I am not in time trying to have an eternal experience. No. Here is where I'm changed. Here is where that recognition comes. Here is where the marriage takes place. Here is where the union comes together. Here is where God imparts his wisdom, his revelation, his spirit into you. Here is where you're sealed. It's not over there. So we need to change our thinking. I came from God. You might not recognize that. I'm going to take a little bit of time with that in a minute here. So we look at the conditions, we look at time, we look at the spirits in the world. The neurotic condition, and I talk talk about neurotic, we ourselves are affected. No, this has never happened to any of you, but it happened to me. It's never happened to any of you. I I left the house, and I'm on the way, I'm rushing to an appointment, I had to rush, all of a sudden I realized I didn't have my phone with me. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. Now ah, it 's just a phone. I can get along just fine. And I got nervous thinking about who might text me, about what emails I might get, about what you know if somebody wanted to reach me within fifteen seconds and I didn't respond, what they might think. But this is what the word and you get you get nervous just thinking about it. i I, I shared about this. This uh, couple I met, the Christians, they're, and, and they, they don't have the message, but they, they, he's from the Northwest Territories, and he told me he's, got, he's built a cabin up on an island on Great Bear Lake, and he says you'd love it, brother Ed. There's no, you, there's nobody around. There's just some bears, but I got, I got a gun and I got things, and he says there's no cell service. There's no nothing. You'll love it. And I thought, yeah, that sounds pretty good. And I thought, no cell service. <laughs> Like, not even Wi-Fi? No, not even Wi-Fi. You know what? We're, we're in a neurotic age, and we're affected by it. And if we're honest with ourselves, we need a release from the pressure. We need a, a place. And I, I will say to you that if I don't have my time with God, and my time with God is not just a church service, my time with God is not just 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 to fellowship with somebody on the phone. My time with God is individual. And if I don't know that I've talked with him and he's heard me, I am not who I should be. And I say you need to start to enforce those things on the enemy. Don't let him crowd you. You move him. You push him out of the way. <coughs> May long weekend. I may as well tell the story. Brother Harold told it often. You know, you're out camping. You're in a tent. Happened to be some footsteps outside. Next thing you know, there's a moose out there. Well, the moose says, it's cold. Can I stick my nose in? Sure, sure. Stick your nose in. You know, and then can I, can I put my head in? My ears are cold. So the head is in. You know that my body's out here, but the rest of me, before you know it, the moose is in the tent and you're not even in it anymore. That's the devil. And he will try to push you out of your tent. I think we need to say, hold on a second. I am here. God has placed me here. And I can stand my ground. No matter what the conditions are. No matter what the age is. No matter what these things are. I have this right. And furthermore, under this right, I have a right under the token under the token, I can have everything that I place under that token, and the token is the life of Christ. It's not a catchy phrase. It's a reality. And I place that token on my home. And the token is not just kick the trash out. That's a part of it. But the token is the atmosphere I bring into the home. The token is my prayer life for my family. The token is everything associated with my time on earth. The token is not the literal blood of Jesus Christ, but it's the life of Christ that came through the blood that rests on me. And nothing besides the token will meet the challenge of the devil in this last day. So the conditions, no matter what the conditions are. So Brother Branham would say, we're not creatures of time, we're creatures of eternity. All that comes to me, I give them eternal life and I'll raise them up. No one can pluck them from the Father's hand. How are you going to lose? See, you're scared, you're afraid. You run around here. That's one of the best evidences in the world that you haven't been nowhere yet. I think... When we know who we are, oh, I know in whom I have believed. Now, let me just read one more. This is in the message Shalom. The hour is upon the people again. Will they'll grow to go to creeds and things instead of the lovely Jesus? These great things are coming up. They're bringing them into more darkness and more darkness. God declaring in his world wonders in the heavens, shines and so and showing forth, telling things that happens exactly to the hour and the minute, and yet people continually walk right on the same way. How is it that we sat, some sat in our midst for years, heard these things, saw these things, quoted these things, and as these things are coming to pass, they're saying, ah, there's nothing to it, I'm leaving now. At the end, you're leaving now? After all these years? Friends, the anointing is to bring us into our fullness. It's not just to bring us to an edge or to a part we can look over like Moses looked over the land. No, the anointing is to bring us into our land. And it says, it looks like people can't help it. They're good people. But we are creatures of time. God is a creature of eternity. He never did begin. He never will. So why don't you commit yourself to him? Look up and shine with the the joy of the light of God's word. He says in one other place in the same message, we, now creatures of time we are, commit your ways to him and he will bring the future right Because we see him just as he is in the word. Now, Ephesians 2. Just let's go to that quickly here. Ephesians 2. I feel like I could read. All of what I gave you there, Brother Dan, but I'll just read part of it. Verse 1, and you hath he quickened. That is to be made alive. The quickening can happen right in the morning as you read your Bible. You're, You're worried, you're weighted down by the day, but you open the Bible, you take a few minutes, and all of a sudden light comes, and it quickens me. I can face the day. Where in times past you walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. And Paul would say, we had conversation, the lusts of our flesh, the desires of the flesh and mind. We were by nature the children of wrath. That was the place we were living in. Sometimes we we try to convert people without changing their nature. That's the age of the reformers. But in this last day, it's total trust in God. You you say, well, you're not doing this right, you need to change this. Sometimes we're happy to have people in church, as long as they dress right, as long as they act right, but if they don't even have a right spirit, what good does that do? If they're not born again, what good does it do? We just make them somebody who who fits the mold and fits the pattern. You know, we're in an age where we need to trust God for everything that's dear to us. We need to trust God that he will work it out when I don't have the right words to say. When I don't have the wisdom. God does it. And we just say, Lord, you know how to do it. You know how to bring a person the right way. We're ministers, and we try to, you know, say, well, we'd love to have everybody just living where they're at. But Lord, let the word fall and hit someone. Yeah. It's, it's not what I can beat them into. It's not what I can coax them into. It's not what I can work on emotion to draw them into. It's what God can do. Yeah. And I say, oh, God, do it. Yeah. And I, if it means me praying, make them so miserable till they look up and see you yeah. then so be it Hallelujah. it's not that, this is that's not filial love that does it that. that's agapo love yeah, yeah. that's what happened to me i went through that you have to know you hit rock bottom before you start to go up right. <coughs> i'm losing papers here the fan is going and i love it thank you don't don't turn off the fan Ephesians chapter 2. We're reading here in verse 4 now. But God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us even when we were dead in sins has quicked us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. Verse, this is verse 6. And he hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, Heavenly places. I I, I don't want to. I, I need to move on, but if we could see where we're sitting, we're not just sitting in a church. We are not. This, this was in in part of what I was reading. Brother Branham would was asked a question in questions and answers, and they asked him a question about. Uh, no, I can't find it. They asked him a question about the foolish virgins. Brother Branham, are the five foolish virgins of Matthew counted as the Gentile remnant? Now, Brother Branham says, he gives a really good answer. This is one of the best answers in the Bible. This is in the message the Patmos vision. The five foolish virgins are saved, but they'll have to go through the tribulation. Is that correct? Is that their final destination? You know, and then Brother Branham says, now, pretty good theologian according to what I... And then the tape breaks off. The sleeping virgin is the remnant spoken of in Revelation. The woman seed that keeps the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now Brother M talks about a woman on a table. She has a garment that's on the table and now she has a pattern and she lays down the pattern wherever she wants on that garment and she begins to cut the pattern out for the dress. Everything inside the pattern is what she chooses. That which is outside is the remnant. Now God in his wisdom chose a part to be inside the pattern that would fit the bride. And by grace we say, oh thank God, I'm glad to be a part of it. But we also need to recognize, and he says, that which is left over is the remnant. Those are the foolish virgins. They are made out of the same material. material. But by election, God chooses the bride by election before the foundation of the world. He puts their names on the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world, before the world ever began. So if if we look at it, sometimes we think, oh, they're blind. They can't even see it. Be careful. Some of them, they are good people. They're caught in a system. They will not necessarily be judged according to where we're at. And so we need to be thankful. You know, when we see things happen in the world and the church world sees that Rome is having dialogue with, with, with the English church and, and with, with others and, and, and Pentecostal leaders, they all rejoice. And we, warning bells come off. Oh, thank God that warning bells come off. Because it is a trap. It will be, part of the persecution will be an ecumenical move. It will be the gathering of the church, the church world, against the elect. And thank God that we have, we've been warned. We've got something goes off. Thank God there's something in you. When fashion comes out and you see new fashions, you're not swayed by it. But you say, no, there's something that doesn't feel right. And, and listen, this isn't, there's not always a place you can say, Okay, here's the pattern for which young sisters should dress. Here's the pattern whereby men should cut their hair. It it has to be a spirit inside of you and says, yeah, you can get a haircut that legally, this is for brothers, okay, not for sisters, that legally matches the pattern of the message, but the inspiration behind it can be completely off. Listen, I I used to play basketball, and I like to watch basketball once in a while. And and I watch these basketball players, they're shaved right to the top and on the top it's like a mop. I think somebody that's big enough could pick them up by the feet and start washing off the floor. That's what I think when I look at it sometimes. And and then and that pattern doesn't stop here. Sometimes it comes into the message. And we think, "Where did that come from?" I say, God help us to be discerning in spirit land, not just in, 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 in what, well, it fits the, it fits with, you know, what the, the natural part of the word says, but we're spiritual people. We're not just natural people. It's the same with the dress. That's a little too tight. That shows a little too much. You know, once in a while, my wife, she asked me, she says, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? I think that's a good thing for a husband and, and to have that kind of a relationship. And his wife would say, you know what? How does this present? That's a good thing. Or, if you're under the headship of your parents, why don't you ask your parents, your mom, and say, Mom, what do you think of this? Because quite often, if there's a question in your mind, and you don't have someone, Brother Allen said, don't do it. Right? This, listen, really, this isn't in my notes. It just came out. <coughs> so he's talking about the pattern. Their names are on the Lamb's Book of Life. Now, I'm, I'm, I need to just... My, 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 where are we going here? God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Isaiah 55, just put that up, Brother Dan. God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Amen. Brother Brandon would say, verse 55, verse 8, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. <clears throat> now, we, we, we touched on a Daniel thought that the oldest of Jesse's sons was the prophet, but that's not what God thought, and and the the apostles thought, oh, Matthias is the one that will will anoint as an apostle. That's not what God thought. So God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts, and He says, your neither are your ways my ways. Verse nine: For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the snow, for as the rain that comes from heaven and the the rain that comes down, and the snow from heaven, and returns not thither. Sometimes we wish you could send the snow back to where it came from. But it waters the earth, it makes it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. It shall prosper in the thing whereto I send it. So, So God's word that came out when he thought of Israel and he thought of them in the promised land and he thought of them in that place, it didn't matter how many Amalekites were there, it didn't matter how many pharaohs there was, that was where God was going to bring them to. And no matter where we started our walk, whether it was in a bar room, whether it was in a church, God had a thought of us and the thought is we were created uh, unto good works. We are His workmanship. We are to express Him. And God will not rest until that expression comes. Now, <coughs> you, let's, let's just jump to Revelation 13. Revelation 13. Just to move this along revelations 13 i want to just make this a little clear from my opening statements we would we would look at this scripture if i i want you to think about this scripture if you weren't a message believer And you saw in verse 1 about a beast and seven heads and ten horns and names of blasphemy. Verse 2, a leopard and feet of a bear and a lion and a dragon that gave power. How would you ever figure this out? And, and then you saw what the effect of these things in verse 4. They would worship this dragon which gave power unto the beast. And, and you know, in verse 5, a mouth speaking blasphemies. And he that opened his mouth and to blaspheme God. And verse 7, he it was given him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given to him over all kindreds and tongues. Uh, this doesn't give you a lot of hope. And you, you couldn't even understand it. But by the grace of God in this last day, we can look at this. And I say, before we even ever understood it, verse 8 was written. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from before the foundation of the world. Now think about that. So it's not good enough to say, I go to church. It's not good enough to say, I've repented. But unless your name was in that book, you're going to be deceived. Wow, well, I don't even know if my name's in that book. Well, God wants you to know. The very fact that you're here and you're wondering, I want to know. That's a good thing. Now listen, I, I, I need to make my point a little bit. I'm going to need to get a couple of brothers. So I'm going to ask, um, okay, who am I getting? They're all saying, why did I sit in the front today? Okay, we're, we're going <laughs> to use Gabriel and Jeremy, if you don't mind. Just come stand over here, if you don't mind. Um, let's, uh, okay, do I stay on that bench or do I take this front bench? These two are ministers, I don't want uh, to, they're always up at the front. So, uh, Jeremy, come stand up here. Gabriel, you stand over there. Stand up, up by the guitar there. Thank you. Okay, so we'll have Joel, you come up. and You want us to come up? So one of you will stand here at the bottom, and then the other one will stand up here. Okay, so Joel, you want to come up? You can stand here. Okay, now, I'm, I'm going to take this, okay, because I'm setting up the type, I'm going to be God. <laughs> it's not what I wanted to say. Okay, this is Calvary right here. This is Calvary right here. Now God is standing in time and he's looking down through time and he says, I am going to, I, I see that the devil is gonna start doing something, and but I have seed on the earth. And so I need to make provision for that seed. So what we're going to do, I, I, don't, I, don't, I want to be careful how I type this, but let, let's just say on this side is going to be the side where now the devil is going to work a plan and he's going to start to interrupt the program of God. So when I say now, you start walking, okay? And when I say now, you start walking as well. So the cue is now. So God looking down before time, he sees everything. And remember, he's the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. So now, time starts going. Now, walk slowly. Walk towards this. They're walking. At the same time that the kingdom of the enemy is moving, God is also moving. So he knows the enemy is going to do something. So he's already had Christ in his mind. So when it's moving, both are moving together and they meet at Calvary. So just come right, right up close here. So at Calvary, now Calvary didn't start here. You're not trying to fit into something that just is Calvary. I repented. Years I spent in vanity and pride at Calvary. That's where my Lord was crucified. It actually started way back. So let's just rehearse it. Go back to the beginning. Now God's looking down through time. He's going to be a redeemer. So he's going to have, once it starts, and and the kingdom of the enemy is going to start doing something, God's going to do something. So the kingdom of the enemy is going to start, and but God's going to, Type out what's coming, which is Christ. So now, they're moving together. In God's mind, it's already happened. In God's mind, it's already here, and it's going to meet right here. And Calvary's going to take care of the problem. Now, you think, oh, well, Christ died. Now i got to fit into the program. There's another layer to this. Okay? So, so there's another layer to this. So up here, so Joel, just stand back here a little bit further. Just, just, just right there. And you stand right there. So, so now God sees a natural man. So let's just call Joel the natural man. He sees this guy. He's going to like cars. He's going to have a lot of cars in his, in his yard. And, 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 and he's, he's going to be in a home. He's going to have different things. And, and he's going to come along. He wasn't there when this happened. So he's in the book of life. And in the book of life he sees, you know, in the book of life he's he's going to have these natural attributes, he's going to have all of these things. So he's going to come on the earth and he's going to start moving. But God also sees a seed that's going to come together at a certain time. That seed's going to be expressed in Jeremy. So he's going to come now down through time under a certain anointing and I'll say now and you both start walking to this place here. Okay, now start walking. Now, here's the natural man comes together, but under the anointing, he comes together and he recognizes, I was an eagle to begin with. I never was just meant to be a mechanic. I'm sorry. That's not your only calling in life. It's wonderful. The brothers all say, Joel's got a mind for these things. You know, Brother Jake... Maybe in the future, Brother Joel's going to take your position. I don't know. But whatever happens, happens. But the natural man comes together. The spiritual man comes together. And they meet. And now, the under what happened at Calvary, under the anointing. So what happened at Calvary is the anointing blocked man from coming. But at that time, the cherubims that were there keeping man from it, Calvary happened. The anointing was released through time, through the lion anointing, through the ox anointing, through down to this age, the eagle anointing. And the natural man is born, but he comes to a recognition, and he says, this is who I really am. I am meant not just to be a natural man. I'm under the Lamb's book of life. That's the part that's drawing me. That's what's compelling me. Yeah. God bless you, Bresme. Sit down. I, I'm just trying to use an example to di- dictate what's going on. So you thought it was your mom and dad that convinced you to go to church, when really it was God. Allowing you to be born in this family, allowing you to come to a certain service a certain time, and you recognize a son of God can go a long time before he recognizes he's an eagle. I am not just here to go through the motions, I am here to live it out. I am here to express God completely. So this is the example. God, God knew. So it was a finished work. When Jesus was at Calvary, it was a finished work. He said, it is finished. And he ascended on high, but he sent his spirit, knowing the spirit that was on him was not just to be slain, but to redeem every name that was on the book. So that spirit was going to go through an anointing. It was going to go through a lion and through an ox. And it was through the ages going to pull them all. Because that's the spirit of Christ. That's the one that we're living under. Now I need to... I'm going to use for a moment (coughs) our journey, but I'm going to use it a little bit through Brother Branham. Now, Brother Branham was born in the earth just like all of these young men, but he didn't know the part that he would play. He never knew. Now, gifts and callings are without repentance. So there's a place. But he had to come to repentance. He had to come to his place. And as just as much as Brother Branham had a place, so did every one of these brothers. Gabriel, Jeremy, Justice, Joel. Each one of these had a place. So did Brother Branham. So Brother Branham talks about his natural life now. And he talks that here he is, he's Born into a home. Now, he wasn't there the day he was born. And, and the heater went out. And the neighbor noticed that the heater went out. And he went over. And, and, and he would have froze to death. He didn't know that. But neither did he know it as he was growing up. He was growing up in a home where his father was, was, had a still and had these different things. But that's him. But now look at what God was thinking all along because Brother Branham was born under a sign and there was a constellation that came together so God in the natural and and I, I remember one time Perry Green took a service on this under the time that Brother Branham was born there was people that were born in that season that also experienced visions not just visions but other things or could see things and do things because they were born under that season of that anointing. Now there was one that it was meant to But there was others that were around that time. So God had these things ordained. So Jeremiah, he says, Before you were born from your mother's womb, I knew you. I sanctified you. I ordained you to be a prophet over the nations. That is the foreknowledge of God, different gifts and callings. Brother Batman now talks about himself. He says, I was a little boy. My first recognition, his first recognition. Now, I'll, I'll just share his, and then I'll just tell you something about me. My mother's own words concerning what took place, a little cabin, that morning when I first came, I never came by my own power. You never came by your own power. I never knew what I was coming. I didn't know what I'm leaving. None of us do. He says, now his first recognition, I was seven years old, I was packing water from a well, and a voice spoke to me out of a bush as a whirlwind said, don't ever smoke or drink or defile your water, body in any way. There'll be a work to do when you're older. Now, this was the natural man, and, and I could just use Joel as a type. This was Joel just walking. Now, not a mechanic, but now it was Brother Branham in this home, and God was beginning to deal with him. What was he talking about? There'll be a work for you to do. He was speaking to his end. He was speaking to a time when when God was going to have this vessel. He wasn't even just talking about his teenage years. He was, but he was talking about an end result that I have. So, brother now, that's Brother Branham. I could say the same thing for myself. I, I knew the very first time I stole something, something went off in my heart. You shouldn't do that but I crossed that threshold. And, and once you cross it, you go further and further, now it's the grace that's got to keep you back. The only thing that keeps you once you go past that is that God has a place and a purpose for you. And He says, now, don't ever do it. There'll be a work. And I said, that is sacred. Now, Brother Branham, he, 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 he tried to drink. He tried to smoke. But every time that he did that, it came back to him because associated with that was this whirlwind. And it began to whirl. Every time he did that, and even when he was with his teenage friends and a woman and a, and a, and a young girl laughed at him, his father made fun of him, but this call was greater than all of these things. And he says, now, just, just to go a little further, he says this, Later on, I met an astronomer, which is a magi, and they told me of a constellation of stars that came together in a certain constellation. Now, he says, visions don't fail. They come from God, and all along the journey, there's been something pulling me, tugging at me. So he's talking about a time that he's walking through a fairground, and there's one of these astrologers or these magi. I was just a boy. He said a game warden or before that. And he says, when they came to him, they, the Magi, or whatever it was, he says, he's talking about these are the Magi that were in the Bible, this certain person said, you were born at such and such a time. And, and Brother Branham tried to avoid it. And she, it was a she, I believe, and she said these words, you were born under a sign. You will never be successful in the East. Now, this is amazing because so much of his ministry was in the East, was in Eastern United States, but the fulfillment of what God was looking at was not what happened in the formative years, but rather what happened when he was called to go West and to receive his commission. That's the end goal of what God was looking to. He wasn't looking to all the years that were there and all of those times. That was part of what was forming and shaping, but it was setting forth for an end goal. Now, much of the world just recognized the formative years. They didn't see the end goal in Brother Branham. But he says, you'll never be successful. The day of the birth, he says... The constellation they crossed way out there the day of a birth, they were hanging westward, and you must go westward. Is this the sign of the answer? Now, Brother Ram is talking about this. Now, he talks, I'm just going to bring a few of these things. He talks about when he met the angel of the Lord. He says, he looked at me with eyes so kindly Not to look sympathizing with this angel, but he said, Do not fear. I'm sent from the presence of God to tell you you were born a peculiar birth. Your peculiar life has been to indicate that you're to take the gift of divine healing to the people of the world. Sir, I'm uneducated. I couldn't go. And he says, If you get them to believe and you're sincere when you pray, nothing shall stand before your prayer. If you get them to believe, you'll be given two signs. No, no, they, brother, I'm sorry, I missed a sentence. And I said, I bet they won't believe me, sir. <laughs> And the angel had an answer for that already. He says, you'll be given two signs, as the prophet Moses. One of them is detecting diseases by holding a person's right hand in your left. And if you will be sincere, it shall come to pass. You'll tell the very secrets of the hearts and the things they're doing. To build the faith in the people, to be in faith and to vindicate you, God will send it to you. I'm uneducated, sir. I cannot go. He said, I'll be with you. And the light began to catch up, and the angel went up in that light. Now, I, I'm, I'm using Brother Branham as a little bit of an example, and I want you to look at how he moved in the message. Now, he, he would talk about how under healing, the commission, the commission was, if you get the people to believe, nothing will stand before you, even cancer. Now that's the commission. So, he would he he had what he called. If you read Owen Jorgensen's book, what he called miracle lines, and the miracle lines was he just would call he would pray until a miracle would happen right there. But afterward, the angel came to him and said, "You're not following the commission, or you're. I'm. I'm being. That was not what I called you." He said he was stern and he looked at him. So even though he was called, even though he made mistakes along the way, it didn't take away the commission or the end of of it all. Now, Brother Bam would also talk a little bit about um, how God commissioned him. Just give me a little bit to finish this, and I want to just make a point out of the end of this, and then then we won't be that much longer. So he says, in the beginning, the Holy Spirit was laying This is a 1957 impersonation of Christianity. I saw a vision, and my work would be between two faculties of the Pentecostal, the Trinity and the Oneness, and there was an empty place on each side to be built. I did not cross them up. I broke from each tree and planted it down. Up from heavens went great trees growing quickly. It was delicious. Fruit grew all over it. The Holy Spirit came down out of those trees and said, do the work of an evangelist. This is not your tabernacle. And I seen the tabernacle as it is to say, where is my tabernacle? And he set me under the bright blue sky and said, do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of your ministry for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine but heap themselves having teachers having itching ears. Now, he talks a little bit about himself. He says, now, you can't "'Do the work of an evangelist, for the hour is coming.'" So he said, "'Do the work of an evangelist.'" He didn't say, "'I was an evangelist.'" Do the work of an evangelist. He says, "'The hour is arriving when it will be changed. You can't mix two or three ministries together.'" Pastor and evangelize at the same time. You can't be a prophet and maybe a pastor at the same time because you have different works, different ministry. But the Lord said, I should do it in my message. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof. The time will come. They will not endure sound drop and be turned to fables. And then he just speaks impersonations. Now, he, he talks about when he laid the cornerstone because he put that in the cornerstone of the church. And he says... He has another part. I'm going to be too lengthy if I read this is an anointed ones. Now, Brother Branham has gone through the healing ministry. People have come, and they've wanted to be in a prayer line with Brother Branham. They wanted to be there, and they were laying a lot on the natural gift. And then after, when it changed to be discernment, and then he began to discern. So remember, first pull if we can call it that, goes to the flesh realm. Second pull goes to the spirit realm. Third pull goes to the soul realm. So people would come, they would be healed. People would come after as the discernment went forth, and they would have discernment, and Brother Branham, he would be following all of that, he would be doing it, and you know, he'd pray for one under discernment, and then the next one he just wanted to pray, and they said, my case is just as important as them. So he'd go into discernment. And he'd go into discernment. But he says, that wasn't the will of God. You know, he says, if you get the people to believe. So this is now a season Brother Branham is coming to. I'm going to read as I in the message Paradox. And this is just before he breaks into the vision of the mamba snake. It's three o'clock in the morning. I looked in front of me. I was coming down to Jordan. I was standing on the map of Palestine. I was coming to Jordan. And as I looked back and I seen the way I had come, and I saw that I was two-thirds of the way to Jordan. And I looked across Jordan and I said, oh, praise God. Just on the other side is where all the promises lay. And I came to myself. Now, Just think about what God's speaking to him about where he's at. He has gone through one of the greatest ministries. He's gone through this gift, gifted like no other man. And and God was using that gift. But he says, now I'm coming to the final part I got across, Jordan. And then he breaks into the vision about the mamba snake. In the rapture message, just to conclude my thought here, Brother Branham is speaking in the rapture message I say, and my message, all the time, knowing back there, under healing and so forth, it was just to catch the people's attention, knowing the message would come. So he's saying, healing was not the message. Discernment was not the message. He says, knowing, under healing and all of that, was just to catch the people's attention and the message would come. And them seven seals open and those mysteries showing these things that has happened and standing right now with me are men. You heard me preach the sermon. Sir, is this the time? Now that was the message I just quoted you out of when he talks about his beginning, about a boy and a tree, about the magi, all these things he's talking about. He's referring back to it because God was bringing it to his attention but there's more to come. Is this the time? So he's saying... And we watched it, he says, we saw seven angels come down, all of these different things. So I'm I'm bringing it to a point where I'm saying is, Brother Branham had to come to a place where he could by faith accept where God was leading him. Knowing it wasn't the fullness yet, but it had to come to this. And I'm just saying, in the message that we're at, I think Brother Mark just prayed it a couple of weeks ago. He just said, there was a time when Brother Branham went off the scene and everybody said, what do we do now? We didn't, they, they we didn't know what to do. But God kept moving. God kept pushing. God kept uh, moving us forward. And, and we can say, well, now we've gone through one generation, another generation, I don't know how much more time will come. But I believe we're in the season where God is not wanting us to say, well, we just gotta go lean on that, lean on that. We've gotta possess everything that was given to us. Now, I had other scriptures, and I'm gonna have to leave them. But I, I will just say it this way. When he spoke to Abraham, let me say it this way. He spoke to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, 1 to 3. You can read it later. But he says, I'm going to call you, whoever blesses you will be blessed, whoever curses you will be cursed. And he says, there's a land that I'm going to show you, start to walk in it. And he began to walk towards it. In Genesis 15, he tells Abraham, Abraham, you're going to have a seed, and that seed is going to be in a strange land, but their inheritance is in this land. And I'm going to bring them out with a mighty hand, and I'm going to bring them in that land. So before they ever went there, now he tells Abraham, Genesis 13, he says, Abraham, walk the land. Walk the breadth of it, the width of it. Walk every part of the land. It is your land. It's the land that I give you. And I would say, the land that we've been given, the land of the Holy Ghost, every blessing is ours. That which they had at Pentecost, that which they had, it is our blessing. And I'm saying is, now the anointing comes upon Moses at the end. And God's telling him, now you, I want you to encourage Joshua. I want you to encourage him. Because I will cause him to get this people to inherit the land. Now, I believe the messenger, Brother Branham typed Moses, but he also typed Joshua. Because there's a part of his ministry that the Holy Spirit picked up and we ourselves are anointed with that. And I say we must push forward. We must possess our land. My, how did the time slip away on me today? I feel like I needed to get to a place and I didn't really get to it. But if I can just say it this way is Rahab was never meant just to be Rahab. And as a harlot, as, as we often refer to, when we get to heaven, we're not all going to point and say, there's Rahab the harlot. No, that's not how we're going to talk. There is Rahab, the wife of Salmon. There is Rahab, a seed of God. I'm, I'm going I'm to do something a little different here. but I, Here is here's Abraham, and I want you to think about this. He comes to a conflict between Lot and, and Abraham's men. And, Lot, and Abraham says this. He says, Lot, you take the right, I'll take the left. Why? Because all the land was Abraham's. So whichever way Abraham went, he was going to be blessed. And I will say it this way. If, Abraham, if Lot would have picked the left, see, Lot picked the choice land And God knew he'd pick that, but Abraham was going to bless him. God was going to bless Abraham, even in the land that was not as desirable. So what was God looking at? He wasn't looking at the land by physical eyes. He was looking where he placed his inheritance, and it was in Abraham and in the seed of Abraham. And I say this. When we are in Christ, we are subject to all the blessings even though we don't deserve them. Now I'm, I'm going to share a little testimony. I'm, Sister Alyssa, is this alright? This is, this is a good time for it. Sister Alyssa was sharing this with us the other day. She's talking about when she went to a local registry. I'm not going to read this the way you read it. I'm just going to pick up some things. She, she, she's in a local registry. She's going and there is a road test appointment for Gabriel. So listen, let me, just, let me just tell you the end of the story. He passed the test. You don't have to worry about if you see him driving out there. He passed the test. It's okay. So <laughs> anyway, they're, they're sitting there going for this road test and the examiner comes in, and, and, and there's people coming in, and they saw this man come in wearing pajama pants with skulls all over them. And Sister Alyssa said, I looked at it, and I says, oh, how terrible. Like, I'm just putting, words and, and maybe became a little bit judgmental over this person he left, the business kept going, the examiner comes, they want to do the road test, they've got their vehicle, the examiner comes and he looks at the vehicle and he says, the back brake light is not working, so you cannot use this vehicle for this road test. And they said, well, we live very close, so we said, go home and get the other vehicle. The instructor says, you can't do that, it's going to take too much time, you missed your appointment, it's done. I love government people sometimes. Listen, if you're a government person, don't hold this against you, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Just like union people, sometimes union people, you know, no, nope, this is the law. Okay, I can't work one minute past five. Well, no, no, no. This is anyway. So we're going to have to forfeit the appointment cost. We felt defeated. We had little choice but to pay. We could rent a vehicle to take the test. So I think the test was 130. The rental vehicle was like 80. So you still had to pay extra. So you're about. She's about to hand the customer the credit card. The customer at the cashier says, why don't you use my car? There's a customer right next to him. And and just so you don't crash it, just don't crash it. Now, that's a pretty big caveat. Don't crash it. I, I tried to say no, but she insisted. So as she walked out, she's watching this woman, and she noticed that she goes, she's, she's offering this, she's thinking, oh, thank God, thank God, and she goes and sits over beside this guy with the pajama pants and the skull and crossbones, and they started talking, and she realized this was a couple, now this is the same person she was looking at naturally, She started, the man wearing the skull PJ cam started talking to her, said, it's a good thing that we drove her car and not his this morning because his vehicle had a manual transmission. It wouldn't have worked for the road test, but they, even before they came there, they already did this, which was different. They talked a few minutes. I apologize for wasting the time. They said, no problem. The lady told me it was her birthday. They had nowhere else to go. I wanted to repay them. They refused. The man asked me and his wife if we'd like a coffee as there was a Tim's across the... No, I don't drink coffee. And, and he says, I quickly dug in the wallet and asked them to take $20 and keep, buy the coffee. And they said, no. The man was gone. I chatted with the lady. She, is Sister Alyssa is writing this. She had a very rough life, She hadn't had a car for years, she had poor credit, she recently had a car dealer who managed to get her this vehicle, and she's happy to have this vehicle. She continued to describe her struggles. She came from a broken, dysfunctional home. She'd never known normal. She had an abusive relationship. She had mental illnesses. All her five children suffer with mental issues. She was clean and sober. She'd been a drug addict for many years. And she had dealt with more than she could imagine in her own life. Now, all of this is happening in front of her, and she's offering to rent this car. Or not rent it, just give it for the test. Suddenly, the man came back with three Tim's cups of coffee. I like this guy already. He said, he handed one to me and said, everyone likes hot chocolate because they didn't want coffee. And so they had hot chocolate. He wanted, it was cold outside. He wanted me to be warm. Just to put this over the top. Now, she's putting, Sister Les is putting this. These were people who have nothing. They know nothing about God. They just wanted to be kind to prove they're still good people. I told them this would never be gotten. There's somebody bigger who's keeping track. Now, I want you to think about it. This was a daughter of God. Now, even though she admitted it wasn't the right thought, but it would be a thought that every one of us us would think. And God superseded all of that and said, because you're in me, I'm going to send you help this way through a channel you didn't expect. And friends, we don't even know the end of the story. Maybe what these people did will come back to them down the road. Is it because of us? No, it's because of what God has made us. In Christ, in the Beloved, you have everything. It's not your goodness, it's the goodness of God. It's where God has placed us. Friends, if we could recognize that today... It's him that's watching over us. It's not us that's watching over us. Again, Sister Alyssa offered to pay. They said, this is what the lady said, this is not how life works. With tears streaming down her face, she thanked them, got in their car, went to the registry, and I told you the end of the story, he got the driver's license, or he got the, the license, the road test, she said she was happy to help. She didn't even want me to pay it forward. She says, well, can I have your name and your email? No, you can't have it. <laughs> they were Jesus to Gabriel and Sister Alyssa that day. Amen. Now, I, I, I wanted to share this testimony, but we had a similar thing happen, and Sister Alyssa was our house telling us this, and as I was listening to it, I was just thinking, oh, God, Look at where you've brought us to. There's a little need, and you send someone that we would never even consider. Is he not God of all the universe? Is he not God who watches over us? Do you think we ought to just say and and be able to recognize, and musicians can come, do you think we ought to be able to recognize and say, your prayers make a difference in the morning? Your walk makes a difference. Don't you think he knows your footsteps? Don't you think he knows everything you have need of this morning? If he would take care of Sister Alyssa and Brother Gabriel in that way, in that moment, with just seemingly a little thing, but maybe with great consequences, don't you think he can take care of whatever you have need of this morning? He's God, isn't he? He's greater than all the other things in this life. He's greater than, than all the issues if we could just recognize that. The Lord's portion is his people. I didn't hardly get to the thought of in the fullness there's liberty. In Christ, you have everything. You have your needs met. You have joy. You can have peace. You can have all of these things. Does it mean you struggle? No, there's a groaning. But when you come to that land, listen, Abraham he told, God told Abraham, walk in this land. He, to, he would tell different ones, when you, when you come, come into the land, that your inheritance, when you come into it, mm-hmm. he says, I'll lead you, I'll direct you, I'll, I'll, be, I'll fight your battles. But now when Joshua comes, he just tells Joshua, wherever you step, that is your land. And I say, wherever you step, sometimes it's a, it's a maybe it's even a wrong step, but It's your land. Why? You're in Him. You're in your inheritance. You're you're walking in the place that God has for you. Listen, let's stand together. I've kept you longer. We had one service. I know I was going to, you all thought I was going to make that excuse, and sure enough I did. But isn't God good? Isn't He wonderful? Greater than all, greater than all. Greater than all my
0: the blood that still cleanses me, is the grace that still sets me. Of yeah.
1: a time when a man would sin and all that they had was the blood of a bull or a goat and they would go and they could have forgiveness, they could have fellowship but the desire would be the same then came the perfect lamb, Jesus Christ somebody could be forgiven, they could be forgiven and God's spirit would come back upon them with a desire for more. Some of those were in the dark ages. They couldn't lift themselves up. Some of those were under the time of Luther and Wesley and they could only go so far. But now you can be forgiven and you're put into a place like Esther was. You're put into a place where Not only does God look at you and says, you are coming into the image of that bride that I was looking for. And He will not even impute iniquity to you. Now, does that mean you can do anything? No, I'm not talking about that. But I'm saying, we're in a place where, just like our sister Alyssa, did she deserve that? Did you deserve, did I deserve what God has given us? No, it's the goodness of God. It's the grace of God. And we're in a place where, not just like Abraham, Abraham, he lied. But God said, I know his heart. And even though the king he lied about was about to take his wife, for Abraham's sake, that whole kingdom was under a great plague. Because God saw Abraham. Abraham under Abraham there was his wife Sarah now it was Abram and Sarai but when he added the H it was a part of God and when you've come into a place with God you're a part of Him you're a part of a body you're subject to the body and you're in a place where God hears your groanings He sees your need and He's there for you because you made Him your choice Look at the place we've come into. It's not like it was before. Look at the place we are in the message. We are coming into a place where finally the groaning will become so great we're going to be lifted out of here one day. What a place that we live in. What a a joy, what a rejoicing we ought to have in the fullness. Brother Alan Dole, I'm going to ask if you can come up and close in prayer this morning. Let's just sing uh, Your Goodness Keeps Running After Me if we can sing that. Think about how he runs after you. How he helps you. There's grace that follows us. I love you Lord for your mercy never fails me. I love you Lord
0: for your mercy never fails me and all my days I've been held in your hands From the moment that I wake up Until I lay my head We'll sing of the goodness of God do no.